Welcome back, everybody, to episode 41 of the Global Gamers Podcast. Um, and this is our first recording in a few weeks because we kind of um, we kind of did a bunch. We loaded up pre-Thanksgiving so that we could take a little time off for uh, food and travel and all those wonderful things. So it's yeah. nice to be back. And we have a fun month of... Um, discussion episodes that we have lined up to round out 2023 so yeah yeah, so today will be our first discussion of the month and we are just gonna you know take a step back look at the big picture and just share some of our thoughts about various things in the hobby in the board game industry and revisit some of our previous ratings of games and our top 10 lists. So you can look forward to Mm -hmm. all of that over the next few weeks. So Ed, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. There is, I mean, we're hitting kind of peak holiday season and we're kind of hitting often like one of the big, like movie times for the year where a lot of the blockbusters come out. Yeah. And I feel like there's been a lot of talk in recent years about this tendency in Hollywood to just find a concept that works and just like churn out sequel after sequel after sequel. And yeah, that doesn't seem to be working quite as well recently. <laughs> not not as well recently, right? Yeah. Are, are you thinking of the latest Marvel movie flopping among a bit? among others? But yeah, that's a yeah. big bad one. Yeah. Well, and but I mean, for better or worse, I think it's had a lot of people talking about the idea of sequels or the idea of franchising, building, building on two existing franchises, exactly. And so we kind of wanted to talk about the board game equivalent of that. Just, I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit about this at times with uh, sequel games. We got into that a little bit with our Everdell Farshore review, but. And expeditions, to, and obviously and all the Garfield as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. quite a few games. Yeah, but today we just wanted to kind of take a more macro look, I guess, at the phenomenon of like board game expansions and talk about what makes a good one, what makes one maybe not work as well, and what some expansions are that we've thought have really succeeded at elevating games. Yeah, and. Yeah, looking forward to it. Awesome. Um, so I guess let's just let's just go for it. So yeah, the first question that you just laid up there was what makes a good board game expansion? And I guess mm-hmm. to get even a little bit meta on that, I guess the bigger question with that is why would an would an expansion be necessary? And to me like I think the best expansions are obviously for the one, obviously for games that I tend to already enjoy to some degree. Yes. And they tend to make a game have a much longer, I don't know if a honeymoon period is the right word for it, but like a, a maybe longer a longer shelf life. Yeah. And, and just yeah. like keep the experience fresh and keep the enjoyment, like keep it as exciting as it was the first time you played mm-hmm. it. Um, and, there are multiple ways to do that. One way is to just add more stuff to change up the variety. So, you know, mm-hmm. more cards in a deck, things like that. 
another yeah, without, way is without fundamentally altering the gameplay you mean yeah, yeah and another way to do that is to add alterations to the gameplay that increase flexibility a common one that i see that i tend to really like is when a game um you know in the base game has certain situations where you can kind of get stuck or it's yeah. hard to like refresh available resources or you kind of feel like you don't quite have what you need to execute the strategy that you have in your mind yeah. and some expansions do a really good job just opening that up not in a way that makes the game easier or removes the challenge but in a way that rewards maybe more experienced players or p- players who are thinking ahead and have a yeah. specific strategy in mind and giving you the space and tools to do yeah. it just and then makes let you it, be rewarded or punished yeah. accordingly. Just makes it like a tad more frictionless for people that are thinking ahead a few turns. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to add to that, or should I just go in for what... Should I claim what I think is the best example of that? Um, I've got a few thoughts to add. I think you hit an important one. The mm-hmm. idea that you have some expansions that are, you know, basically refreshing components without altering the gameplay in like fundamental or radical ways. Um, I think another subcategory of that is games. I mean, you also talked about like ones that maybe like tinker a little bit around the edges with like things that may have come up during, you know, play testing and just uh, like, ironing out some of those wrinkles but a few others that come to mind first added flexibility with player count i feel like there's a lot of games where you know maybe the base game is a four-player game and then you see an expansion later more maybe five or six or even some games where maybe the original game didn't have a solo mode and they add a solo mode later i'm thinking of like uh everdell did that right with the Mistwood expansion. Yeah. Right, well, I think exactly. there, there was a solo mode already in Everdelb. They just redid it and made it yeah. much more appealing. Yeah. Um, that's interesting you say that because I was actually going to point out those types of expansions as the one that... Well, I guess I can't really say they're bad, but they're the ones mm-hmm. that appealed to me the least because a lot of the games... Mm-hmm. A lot of these like you know Euro-style strategy games that we tend to play are not games that I want to play with five or more people anyway so i tend to just kind of overlook those expansions or hope that if i'm going to buy it that it has something else going for it as well right that makes sense um in terms of expansion examples though yeah i i have like a i don't want to get too much into the weeds of each one but i have a top three of expansions that i feel do what i already said um really well yeah and in no particular order we'll tell I'm you going... what do you want do you want to maybe go back and forth you'll name one and then i can do you do you have three in. um i've got at least two okay well yeah i'll go first and last then and then i guess we'll okay let's see how that sure. goes yeah. if you think of others we can just keep going yeah exactly. um, again i'm not going to get too much into it but the first one i'm going to mention is um everdell new leaf yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I pick that over the other, the other Everdell expansions because I think it's the one that integrates best with the base game. Um, doesn't try to do too much. 
so that it mm-hmm. still looks like you can play it with new players and you know opens up those options and more freedom in terms of the marketplace of of cards available worker placement spots that kind of thing what's your first yeah. one um my first one and we might have some overlap here but my first mm-hmm. one is wingspan oceania okay yep that was that was one of mine <laughs> um and i mean so funny enough I, i'm not going to delve into this too much because we by some strange happenstance we have not reviewed her wingspan yet maybe we uh, just never will and we'll just talk about it so much in other episodes <laughs> that it feels like we have yeah it kind of already feels like that already <laughs> but um i just want to you know there've been there've been multiple expansions i think three out already for this but yeah. just wanted to foot stomp this one in particular just because <laughs> of adding in the nectar like i think adding in a food resource that adds a lot of flexibility but has to be used by the end of a round uh i thought that was a pretty ingenious way to um expand the, the new the player boards are also i think equally as important as the nectar because oh they, yeah they yes. open up Fixing the, the player boards so much. and making it so it's not just egg bombing yes and, and also yeah. that there are many more options for throwing out um an extra bird card or an extra egg or something to yeah. get one more of the thing that you actually need at the time. So, like, there's much more, like, um, like, con- Synergy like resource conversion parts. that's allowed. Yeah. Yes. So if you're yeah. stuck with just, like, a bunch of, like, a huge hand of bird cards you're never going to play, it gives you more options for what to do with that to actually yeah. get meaningful. Well, yeah. And I feel like that probably is part of the reason why some of the birds that were so powerful in the original game uh, like especially the Chihuahua and Raven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think those tweaks helped, you know, not completely even things out, but like make things give everyone else a fighting chance if somebody has that card early. Yeah. Um, also, the Oceania birds are just also very cool. But they let's are. not get too in too into wings. Yes, because yes. I'm sure we will mention it again. Um, well, so my second one is Lost Ruins of Arnak Expedition Leaders. Figured that might come up, yeah. <laughs> so this is another game that we also have not reviewed. Um, but this, I think, is the best example I could think of of an expansion that introduces really, really good asymmetry into a game. Um, mm-hmm. And that, again, like Everdell, New Leaf, or Wingspan, Oceania, you can just shuffle like shuffle the cards in add the new player powers in and teach yeah. new players the game as it is like i don't think i could ever see myself playing lost ruins of arnak again with the base game player boards that are all the same just those boring tents yeah. they're fine but what really makes a game so fun and special and variable is the ability to switch up which research track you're going to use which character you're going to use um and the game also does a really good job helping you out with that because of the six characters that come in this expansion, um, they actually suggest that if you have a new player playing, that you give them the captain um, as a as an entry level player who's you know it's not that the captain's yeah. any you know imbalance like better or worse it's just more accessible and yeah it's just it's really great also I just love um, again just the different research tracks. Um, Adding in more guardians is always fun, and yeah. actually, I also recently got the um the new expansion for this game, the right. missing expedition, which 
I guess the point of contrast, it's still cool because it gives you two additional characters, more items, more guardians, new research tracks again. But the bulk of that expansion is a campaign, a campaign mode, mode and, right? a, and like mm-hmm. a co-op mode, um, yeah. which, you know, not as appealing for me. Um, but we can get into that. What's sure. your second example? Uh, so as, as we've been talking, like more and more have come to mind, I've got two more. Okay. Um, the first one is Splendor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why we're on this uh, riff where we're talking about a lot of games we haven't reviewed yet, but um, won't get you take too... them for granted. Yeah, <laughs> won't 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 get too far into the weeds on this. But uh, Splendor really packs a punch on the <laughs> expansion front because you get one box and it contains four different expansions four different game yeah, modes that, that is, you can that's play. good value for money and yeah it's great value for money and it's a mix some of them change the game more than others some of them it's more along the lines of what you said about just adding some new cards in and minor mm-hmm. tweaks and then a few of them are adding a few new capabilities that change the gameplay a lot more significantly so it kind of runs the gamut and i really like that about it as well nice um i'm trying to think of any other games that really stand out to me as having top level expansion content but none really stick out the way these did so i'm just gonna leave it with the two that i mentioned with a huge thumbs up to your wingspan oceania mention as well i mean the other one i have to mention and honestly I think this last game might be the MVP for expansions. At least, you know, quantitatively for sure, but qualitatively, I think pretty good as well. And that's Dominion. Uh, oh, see, I put that almost in like a different category of like. It, it almost is. Yeah. It almost is. It's more like. Uh, yeah, it's more like a Marvel Cinematic Universe of games. But. Well, that. Like. That- but at the same time, like all of those are building on the base game. Yeah, that actually. So I was, I was thinking, and this, I know it isn't exactly the same, but I was thinking about how to include a discussion of a game like Unmatched, and I in in yeah. this discussion whether yeah. it even deserves to be in in the discussion of expansions, um, or like living card games like the Lord of the Rings card game or Marvel, right. um, or Arkham Horror. And I, I, th- I think Dominion maybe is somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, That's probably true. But I mean, yeah. I think those games you mentioned are also fair game here. Like, to me, the main criteria is like, is it, is it um like interoperable with the base game that came before it? Yeah. And I guess those are all examples of what I guess you'd call shorthand just the most extreme types of more stuff expansions. Yeah. yeah. Um, which none of the examples that we listed so far, even Dominion, I would argue in ways, is is really an example of what I think of when I think of a more stuff expansion. What I'm thinking of when I think yeah. of a more stuff expansion is something more like um, when you get the Invaders of, from Afar expansion for Scythe where it's just two additional factions and nothing else. Yeah. Or you get the Pantheon expansion for Ant Gods of Egypt, um, which is, you know, additional gods that you can use. 
or or, or you, arguably even the European expansion for Wingspan as a point of contrast for Oceania. Yeah. yeah. Well, another one I was going to bring up is uh, is the the non Asgard expansion for Blood Rage, the one that just adds the like mm-hmm. little mystic characters. Yep. Well, that that fits very well with the Ankh because yeah. This could maybe, depending on your perspective, lead into our discussion of what makes a bad expansion. Um, could. But, you know, and I think we talked about this when we reviewed both Ankh and Blood Rage, that there's some criticism of some of these big Kickstarter project miniature heavy games that are, right. you know, on Kickstarter for hundreds of dollars and they just add all these outrageous stretch goals that will take up a storage unit to have all of it and you will never play all of it. Um, And I say that as somebody who has gone all in on one such game, Hunk, and I'm good on that front. But I don't know if that necessarily means that those expansions are flat out bad. I think it's, that kind of gets into more like a a big picture discussion about like industry and whether it's just milking something for what it's worth when it's unnecessary. Well, I think it's two separate questions, right? I mean, one is, is it adding something valuable to the gameplay experience? Mm-hmm. And then um, separately, like, is it economic? Like, price-wise, is it reasonable? Yeah. And, like, I think those two questions can kind of get blurred together in some cases where games expansions fall short on both those counts, maybe. Um, but I see them as qualitatively a little different. Yeah, I guess just to stick with the Ankh example, because it is, I don't think that between the two of us, we have any better example of just going all in and making what probably is economically nonsensical decisions about one particular game in the way that I did on that front. Um, yeah. for me, like, I don't, I don't have any regrets about it. I'm, as we talked about when we reviewed that game, I'm glad to have one game that I did yeah. that for with the miniatures and everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to lie and say that I feel like it's all necessary. Like, the um, the number of times that you would have to play Ankh to get your full value of all the different setups, playing all the different gods, honestly, particularly all the different guardians, When you, if you have all the Kickstarter guardians as well, it's kind of ridiculous, and it is by no <laughs> means necessary, especially yeah. like because the Guardians are not that big a deal in the actual game themselves, other than how mm. they physically look. Um, and so, like, yeah, I understand why people think that this is a problem in, in the industry and in the hobby. Um, but at the same time, I can't say it's, like, bad flat out, because at that point, it, it works if you, if you approach it as, like, this is a collector's item. Not so yeah. much even as like a gameplay um forward expansion. So with that in huh. mind, what what do you think of when you think of a bad or unnecessary expansion? Yeah. I think you hit on a lot of the big <clears throat> points already. Um one thing I want to circle back to in a moment is there's an interesting post on Reddit, mm-hmm. uh, on the board games Reddit, 
that kind of did a deep dive on BGG ratings of expansions. And I can talk a little bit on some of the findings from that in a minute. But first, just want to answer your question on, yeah, what I think makes a, you know, less than successful expansion. You've already hit on some of the big ones, like too expensive or, you know, not really adding anything game-wise. I think another big one that we've alluded to at times with some of the longer Garfield games is expansions that make an already long game even longer and even more complex and difficult to teach Mm -hmm. without like where there's a questionable where I think there's a maybe a questionable judgment call of is enough being added here that the juice is worth the squeeze agreed um and I was hoping you'd bring this up because I specifically didn't mention any Garfield game expansions in that top tier list. That's not to say that there are no good ones, but I just wanted to kind of... I can kind of make a contrast right now because I... Of the Garfield titles that I have, I'm going to leave out Circadian's First Light. Just, just the medieval titles that we've reviewed so far. So I have Raiders of the North Sea all three West Kingdom games with all of the expansions for them all, and the two South Tigris games, neither of which has an expansion yet. Right. And what I would say is that I think that when it comes to the Garfield expansions, the most successful ones and the ones that I think are the best and that enhance the games the most are the ones for the least complex games specifically for Raiders and even more so for Architects. So if I had to pick like the really good Garfield expansions, I would would highlight Works of Wonder for Architects of the West Kingdom and Mm -hmm. Hall of Heroes for Raiders of the North Sea. Is Hall of Heroes the ones that adds the... That introduces uh, the Mead Hall and the Quest. The Jarls? No, the Jarls is the Fields of Fame. Ah, okay. Yeah, the Mead Hall and the Quest are the big things from Hall of Heroes. Yeah. Um and honestly I feel like both of those games to me feel incomplete if I don't have those things included. So much so that I played Architects with people without the Works of Wonder expansion before it came out and they didn't like the game and then they liked it when Works of Wonder was added in. Mm-hmm. And I I while I would say that like you know base game Wingspan or base game Everdell in particular can get a little bit stale without their best expansion content especially it's, it's not as I big think. yeah it's not as big a chasm as it is with architects and raiders so i think that garfield did a good job with the expansions to those games and the fields of fame and the um age of artisans are also really successful for those same games but by contrast and maybe i need to play these games more to really see the added value of these expansions mm-hmm. I don't feel like the expansions for Paladins and Viscounts are quite as successful. They kind of feel like bloat or just, you know, more places to put stuff, more places to get points where the game is already um, very, very complex and where there's a lot going on. There's already a lot of point salad. Right. Um, And I think I would point out specifically the 
Keeper of Keys expansion for Viscounts of the West Kingdom as the worst offender of this. So huh. much so that, like, if I wasn't a completionist with these specific games, I don't know that I would recommend it. The yeah. Gates of Gold isn't as bad, but, um... And then this, the Paladins has one expansion, City of Crowns, and it's okay. It's fine. I don't dislike it. It's just, like, if it didn't exist, I wouldn't miss it. And well, so and, that I, yeah. I hope that if and when expansions come for the South Tigris games, that my, my wishes to our dear friends at Garfield, please do not release more than one expansion for each of those games if you feel it's necessary to do it at all which i'm sure they will and that if you do release a second one sometimes with some games it's okay to just do a more stuff expansion you know yeah. like and i give think us, that's the perfect time for yeah one of those, give us honestly. more more translators and scholars or more or a bigger deck of scrolls or give us you know new stars and planets and stuff in wayfarers you don't one, need to overcomplicate mm -hmm. it yeah one thing one thing i would have loved to see for paladins that i think would have bumped up my my review for it was you know you've got the the end of game goals that are shared mm -hmm. and it's basically one for each of the main things that you're trying to do right yeah. you're either gonna do you know five warriors that you've vanquished or like five sections of the wall built etc mm -hmm. uh i think one thing that would have been really fun there is if it mixed and matched like you need to do three sections of the wall and two vanquished warriors or yeah i'm curious if they i'm sure they must have like thought that. of that but maybe there was a balance issue but I, there could I have been i would have liked to have seen some way to work it out yeah um yeah and then that's not to say that these are bad expansions it's just it raises the issue of when too much is too much yeah and i would i would also another kind of similar but also different um the way that you mentioned it with those expansions for viscounts and paladins it makes it more difficult to teach the game yes um and it's also annoying because it's not hard to like take those components out once you've mixed them in um on the flip you said side it's not not it's hard not to take like, you have to integrate everything you know like shuffle cards into decks yeah yeah um but on the flip side you have expansions like pearlbrook and spirecrest for everdell where you're supposed to separate everything out when you're finished right and i it may seem like contradictory but at the same time those expansions do feel as much as i enjoy them particularly spirecrest they can feel a little bit tedious to set up just because they don't integrate well with the base game and you have to like kind of dismantle the whole thing every time. And I don't know a way around that. It's just, it's something that I find yeah. a bit less enjoyable from it's, an expansion, it, even if it's well designed. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's an inevitable trade off. But honestly, I think that's the only downside to those yeah. in particular. One other, um, well, uh, for Spirecrest, I think I think Pearlbrook has other weaknesses. Yeah, that's fair. but that's just a matter of personal preference. I think that Pearlbrook changes the game too much, like making it a different game, which is a problem that can happen with some expansions. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. One, 
Was there anything else you wanted to add on this question of like where expansions tend to fall short? I feel like we've covered a good yeah, bit of ground. Yeah, I mean, but... honestly, most of it ultimately for me comes down to personal preference. I really cannot yeah. think of an expansion that I've actually ever bought or really even played that I flat out hated or, the, or that I felt ruined a game. It's just that yes. even when I'm knocking things like some of these, you know, like the Keeper of Keys or Viscounts, it's not that it's bad. It's just sometimes it just feels unnecessary. Maybe superfluous, um, right? Yeah, but ultimately that's going to come down to personal preference. Yeah. I mean, one, and this is, a, this, what I'm about to say kind of leans into this idea you mentioned of this being a matter of subjective taste, but one thing I kind of ask myself when I'm evaluating an expansion is, can I imagine this playing this game again without this? Mm-hmm. And some games, I, I feel like a sign of a really successful expansion, not to bring the discussion back to that, is that the answer to that is I either can't imagine playing the game without it, or I would only play it without it if I were teaching someone the game fresh that hadn't played it before. Yeah. And again, even the best examples integrate well with new players, like Wingspan Oceania. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could, easy, you could easily start off someone with Oceania, no problem. Yeah, and an, an interesting thing um, that I just thought of when you said that is so that, as you know, some of these games have digital implementations on Steam or on the Nintendo Switch or whatever, right? Yep. Um, Wingspan, Everdell, and Raiders of the North Sea and Scythe are all such games that I have played. Um. And I will say, Wingspan, they, this month, they are adding in the Oceania expansion. The Europe one has already been added. Mm-hmm. And I will say that it's still, base game Wingspan, as I said, holds up, even without Wing, Oceania. Is it as good? Not even close. Everdell, and Everdell's fine with just the base game, but yeah. it gets very stale, like, yeah. very yeah. stale. And Raiders of the North Sea does get to that point where I'm like, I don't really feel any need to play this game without the expansion mm-hmm. content so yeah that just goes to show how far a really good expansion can go to elevate a game it can really um, increase your mileage a lot no doubt yeah something that i i don't remember where i read this um or if there's any kind of proof on it it was a while ago but i remember reading it maybe on like a bgg forum and it was specifically in the context of everdell uh-huh. And it was a discussion about the expansions and the complete collection and, you know, how much is too much, that kind of line of thinking. Sure. And one thing I remember seeing was people talking about that part of the design process, or maybe it was speculation, is some games, when they are originally designed, include what would later become expansion content. But that sometimes it's that some of the content of the game is actually retroactively removed, pulled out during so the publication that it can be process saved for an expansion. Exactly. So yeah, and the, and there are different reasons for that. Some of it is to make the gameplay more streamlined and accessible. Like it's not necessarily a cynical cash grab, although it can be. Some of yeah, it is it's a case by case thing, right? Some of it is just you you get the the necessities and then you leave the optional stuff for people who actually really care about it that much. Some of it is cynical cash grab, and some of it is also just production cost. 
that sometimes if you want a game to retail at a certain price that is, you know, within the standard range of a game of a certain size and complexity, you can only have so many cards, so many pieces of cardboard, so many wooden components, whatever it is. And so something has to get cut out. And then again, if you want the optional stuff on the side, that can be added later on. That's actually also why you see sometimes games cutting corners on component quality or inconsistent component quality because ultimately the overall production has to cost a certain amount and certain things get cut or compromised on along the way. And some of that Mm -hmm. just... Some of that just gets removed forever, and some of that just means really bad artwork or components, and some of that just means it's removed and later becomes expansion content for those who want it. And I under I understand that from like an economic, sure, practical, you know, profit margin um, perspective for publishers. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I don't know like how grounded in reality that is but it makes sense to me that that would be a consideration that game designers and publishers have so um i don't want to cut this part of the discussion off prematurely because i think this has been really good but just wanted to check do you have anything else to add otherwise i thought no maybe i we just, just want to flag that but i'm curious yeah. about what you found on the forum yeah yeah i just wanted to touch base on that real quick so Basically, like I said, this is, you know, a post on Reddit uh, from a user named Azura26, screen name, and basically collating the ratings of different expansions from BGG. Mm -hmm. And they kind of broke it down in a few different ways. Uh, One was which expansions were rated the most frequently. and then. But I think the more interesting one is um, the ones that were rated the highest. I think, yeah, because I mean, the the more frequently rating ones are going to be the ones for the games that sell the most. So you're gonna see Wingspan and Everdell on that list, obviously. Yeah, well, um, Wingspan is on that list. Um, Everdell, interestingly enough, I don't see on that hmm. list. Uh, it's a it's a lot of Catan, Carcassonne, right, yes. Pandemic, Dominion is on there, Makes Terraforming, sense. Mars, Seven Wonders, etc. Okay. Uh, yeah, the best-selling games are the ones yes. you're going to see. Right. So, yeah, I'm curious which ones people think are the highest rated. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting one, too. And we have a few in there that we have talked about. Okay. Or at least that we've experienced. Uh, we've got Wingspan in there. Although, interestingly, the uh, European expansion has a higher rating than the Oceania one, which, quite frankly, surprised me quite a bit. Yeah. Um, we also have Scythe Invaders from Afar on there, um, as well as Scythe The Rise of Fenris. And interestingly enough... Scythe Rise of Fenris came in at number three on the list. Not surprised. People love that expansion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've i got to get around to trying that at some point. Um, but just, I think it's the I, campaign thing that just kind of... I'm. It's not I, I my get first that, like, choice. There are things in it that are not the campaign that I think yeah. I would enjoy. It's just that it's a $55 expansion. 
and if I know that yeah. you know half of it or two thirds of it doesn't interest me that much, eh, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's not it's yeah. not a pressing issue on my mind. Yeah. So other other game expansions that come in in the in the top ten, um, we've got a terraforming Mars expansion, Prelude at number one. I've heard um, people like that because apparently what it does is apparently base game terraforming Mars kind of can be a bit slow to get up and running. And so yeah. the prelude kind of changes the starting setup to help accelerate things. So I could see that being very appealing as like a quality of life expansion. Yeah. It's almost like uh age of empires when you have the regular, regular, like, um, you know, multi, you know, multiplayer game mode versus like a death match where you start with some more resources so you yeah. can start fighting sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another big one on the list is Viticulture Tuscany. That was number two. I've, again, a game I haven't played, but I've heard that basically, um, yeah, like that's, that's up there with like Wingspan Oceania in terms of just beloved expansions across the board and things that people would say you know once you play that you don't go back to right the base game like when i've looked at um people doing like on youtube and other podcasts like their top 100 games lists and when they include viticulture and it ends up very high on a lot of these lists like top 20 material it's always well not always but very often i've heard and i i remember it even for a game that i've never played this is how much it sticks in my head that i've heard Mm -hmm. multiple reviewers and content creators say viticulture using the tuscany map like Mm. it's such a caveat they yeah yeah, it it specifies that interesting very interesting so uh i don't want to get into all of this but some other games that are on this list we've got a couple spirit island expansions coming in after that Mm -hmm. um there's a few dominion expansions in the top dozen or so as a Uh, dominion fan do you agree with the ones that you're seeing that people like so it's an interesting question. I think honestly, um hmm, yes and no. Uh the top rated one is Prosperity, which is one of the ones I introduced you to where mm-hmm. where you've just got the like the platinum you know that's even worth even more than a gold. So it's yep. mostly just like more kinds of money. Um I can see why it's rated highly just because it it's fun. It's fun to just play with more more money, but I think some of the other ones change the gameplay in more interesting ways than this one, I think. Right. Um and then the other Dominion one up in the top dozen or so is Seaside, which I don't know if this was the first expansion of Dominion to introduce duration cards that have effects that linger after a single re- single round um but it that does play a pretty dominant role in that one um interesting okay yeah and then we've got like there's a root expansion on here a dune imperium expansion and then coming in at number 18 is expedition leaders yeah i'll stand by that one (laughs) yeah um that's an interesting list and i think uh, honestly Having not played all of them, though, I think from what I know of the ones you listed, including ones like Tuscany, Viticulture Tuscany, 
Terraforming Mars Prelude. Um, I, I am sensing a trend of what it seems people consider us uh, consider a, a successful expansion. Yes, it is striking. They're striking like a really good balance between adding more stuff and also adding more flavor to the game without overdoing it and bogging it down. Well, and also without, and also without changing the things that people loved about the original game without tinkering with that too much. Yeah, and so I I think honestly that is that's the key. Yeah, Um, that's a recipe for success, no doubt. So, just to throw it out there, because I don't think that these would be things that we'd review again. But um, have you encountered any new expansions recently for games that? you own or that we've talked about in the past do you, I, do you mean a, do you mean a certain category of expansions or just in no just general? any that you've played recently that we may not have talked about when we reviewed those games at the time or that may be re- new releases that may be of interest so nothing's coming to mind right now in terms of ones i've played recently there are a few i'm looking forward to mm-hmm. trying some of which that are already out one that I'm really intrigued by is the like marine themed Ark Nova expansion. Right. Yeah. Um that one I have my eye on Marine Worlds. I'm really curious to see what that one's like. And I'm particularly interested in seeing how it balances some of the complexity issues that we've talked about, just because, you know, we've played through that game. Uh, a few times and it the learning curve is sharp so i think adding an expansion to it is uh is ambitious it, it, it may have the viscounts problem but we'll we'll see yeah um, we'll withhold since judgment since you but... mentioned um marine expansions yeah. did you see right. that the oceans expansion is out and i know you love oceans um, i do i do love oceans this was i'm trying to reserve judgment on this one mm-hmm. um just because Oceans is a is a favorite of mine. Um, conceptually, I just had trouble with the doubling down on the mythological element. Right. Um, well, that's very much what I mean. It's literally called um, right, like Legends of the Deep or something. Um, so that got what me. What I what I actually like that they did with this release, and I don't own this game, and I I think I'm at a point where I don't really feel the need to because huh. I know that you know I can always play it if I want to because you have it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I love it quite as much as you do, but that's fair. I saw this when I was at our friendly local game shop labyrinth uh, last week. That there are two different ways that you can buy this expansion, which is cool. One option is that they released Ocean's Legendary Edition, which is is that base game and expansion? It, yeah, it's all built into one box. It's like a, a thicker box. Like a bigger huh. box, oceans. Same like overall dimensions, just thicker. And yeah. one side has like the legendary sea dragon on it, and the other side has the normal um oceans mm-hmm. box okay. on the other side. Um trying to remember if it's the normal front of the box or the back of the box that has the kraken, one of them. But it, and obviously that's for a higher price point. So I think it was like I wanna say it retailed at like seventy five. So they're um, they're basically selling the nesting box with both versions with of the game in it. In it. Yeah. Every yeah. complete collection. Yeah. 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 So that's one way to do it. The other way you can do it is that they were also selling just the Legends of the Deep. But in expansion. a separate box. It's in a small box. It's all, it almost looks like a deck of cards. 
a little bit bigger than a deck of cards. Um, so you could probably fit it in the original box. Probably, yeah. And obviously, I think that was huh. 20 or $25. And you would just okay. integrate that with the game if you already own it. That 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 sounds a little bit to me like the expansion of uh, of the game Power Grid, where they basically just added more power plants. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what the yeah. mythological monsters do in the ocean expansion, but, you know. Down the road could be something interesting to check out. Yeah. Um, I have three, two of which I haven't played yet. So I already mentioned the missing expedition for Lost Ruins of Arnak. Right. Um, and then I got the legendary upgrade kit for Dwellings of Elderfield, plus mm-hmm. the Minotaur and Shapeshifter mini expansions. You were able to get all those. I think some of those are sold out now. If They're not all, all sold out. I pre-ordered them. Um, yeah. I still don't have the deluxe upgrade kit is that which, which is the one that adds the noises which seems i have gratuitous. that's the legend so the deluxe upgrade kit i think is the least like this is a, this is a good example of an expansion that is really not helpful um, other than <laughs> cosmetics the deluxe upgrade yeah. kit is just what it is it's an upgrade kit it's not even an expansion so all the cardboard resources are swapped out for wood which you know that's it's nice. That's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's just not necessary. And then the... You could also get that on Etsy if you wanted. You can. Um, and then the original cardboard standee monsters from the orig- from the base game, you get 3D minis for those instead. That's, that's all it is. That's nice. Right. And then the legendary upgrade kit, which is the one that I got, comes with... Um, is it six six new monsters? One new monster for each element. And so all the new minis. monsters are only in the expansion you got. Yeah. Okay. The deluxe upgrade kit is just miniatures of the original monsters. I got miniatures and standees for the new monsters. But not the so original now, ones. not the so original. So you would have to buy both expansions in order to get the miniatures of all of them. Exactly. Uh, uh, but now you have the option of, of two different monsters for each element. So that's more, you know, switching it up, kind of like the Guardians and Ankh. But at and a then, high price point. Yeah, and, and they I don't know what the deal is with this game, but they sell out and then it's not available again for months at a time. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um and then the Minotaur and the Shapeshifter are just these tiny little like ten dollar expansions that right. you remember the dragon and the frost giant? Yep. They're just like that. Like you can just throw them in as additional non elemental based monsters in the game. So I'm excited for us to play that soon because we haven't yeah. played Monster Battle Reveal in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is the Cascadia Landmarks extension. I know. I kept waiting for that one to come up during Which, this episode. Well, so it hasn't come up yet because I don't think it belongs in either list of like great or bad. It's, it's, a, it's, it's just the serviceable fine, expansion. Yeah, it's fine. Like, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like it because you can, you can pull it out and separate it like those Everdell expansions we talked about, but obviously it's much easier to do so because it's a smaller game. Yeah. And it just, it, it's not super intrusive, which I like because I don't want Cascadia to be too complicated or, and I don't want Cascadia to be changed that much. Yeah. So I like that it's not very intrusive. It's, it's fine. It's just what you would need for a Cascadia expansion. Yeah. Um, and I still, very much could see myself playing Cascadia without it and enjoying the experience just as much. 
Hmm. It's just slightly different. Good to know. Slightly different flavor. So we'll have to try that soon as well. Oh, yeah. I'm curious what your thoughts would be, because I know we both love some Cascadia. Yeah, I... uh... <clears throat> no, I'm very eager to try it. I I introduced my mom to Cascadia uh, nice. over Thanksgiving, and she she enjoys board games, but she I would say she's more like a light to uh, like medium complexity weighted yeah. game. Cascadia is a perfect family game. Yeah, yeah. She and she and my sister both really really enjoyed it. Um, and then yeah, I think uh, I think you're spot on. It's yeah, great family game and like it's fun too just because I mean, you could even play it with little kids honestly and the nice thing about that Definitely. is like you're I mean, there's some interactivity where like oh, somebody took the animal I wanted, but mm-hmm. I feel like because you're building your own thing, like if you've got little kids, like it's a kind of game you can get through without temper tantrums probably or lower risk of that <laughs> yeah i will i will say the expansion adds a little bit more in like not necessarily uh-huh. interaction but a little bit more of a rush to grab stuff before someone else does yeah okay um not not like a ton but it's more than the base game that's a that's good to know yeah so um any final thoughts on game expansions so Yes, I don't want to belabor the point for too long, but one thing I think we have not talked about that is kind of like a hidden gem of expansions is modular board accessories, like things like that that add some variety at a pretty low price point and don't mm-hmm. change the game dramatically. Um, I mean, I know you have the Scythe modular board. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, it's Scythe Mod. I mean, it's great. I really like it. I've only been able to play with it once since I got it, but everybody at the table, all of whom are Scythe veterans, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I wouldn't say it was, like, a super cheap price point. I think it was maybe $20, but I thought it was worth it because it's it's pretty big, you know? Yeah. And it, it doesn't just come with the board. It comes with some extra... Um, what do they call them? The terrain bonus car, like tiles as well. A couple of things uh-huh. like that. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Like there are also a lot of cool ways that you can get mini expansions that will not cost you a ton. So the scythe modular yeah. board is great. Some yeah. games have like little promo packs of cards. Um, we just talked about like the Minotaur and the shapeshifter for dwellings of Elder Vale. A few weeks ago, we talked about the Necromancer Island for small world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there are lots of like, you know, the the oceans, legends of the deep, not not too expensive. So if you want it, like a lot of these games, they do a really good job as well of like doing mini expansions. So if you don't feel like you want to mess with things too much or over invest in a yeah. single game, the door is open to you as well. So be on the lookout for that. And a lot of the times, those mini expansions are just as well designed and high yeah. quality as the bigger expansions. They're just a lower price point because they're fewer components. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good place to that's leave a, it. That's a good, nice little way to wrap up. I think. Yeah. We're not, we're not just encouraging you to go and spend a, a ton of money on every game you ever buy. Yeah. And, and, and it's I nice think... that it kind of runs the gamut from like, 
you know, something like Ankh that is a huge investment versus something where you can really, you know, really, uh, like ratchet up a game experience without dropping a ton of money too. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a lesson that I'm starting to learn. I mean, I have been keeping my game collection relatively lean, um, you know, still getting new games, but they tend to be, my, my selections tend to be way more refined in terms of what I know I like. Uh Um, and that goes for expansions too, where I know I kind of went through a phase where I, my completionist instincts, um, overwhelmed me. And I think, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but I think that having done that for a while, I've kind of gotten it out of my system and I no longer feel that it's always necessary because, you know, like, realistically now with the passage of time i i get a sense a greater sense of you know how often am i pulling out my everdell complete collection or how often am i playing up do i feel like as many games need to have that level of completionism to it or you know i'm at a point now where you know i can look at scythe rise of fenris and say nah i'm i'm good well and (laughs) honestly something like that i feel like it's it can be enough to just you know what it's a rainy Thursday. Haven't played that before. Go over to Labyrinth and see if they've got a copy you can just play once, just to see what it's like. Yeah, I mean, the tricky thing, though, is that a lot of board game stores and cafes that have... They don't copies, do a lot of expansions. Yeah, and, and I, I get true. it. I get it. It doesn't make a lot yeah. of sense. Um, and I don't think publishers are sending out review <laughs> copies of expansions in the same way. Probably not, um, yeah. But yeah, true. I mean, maybe if you have a friend and you both enjoy Scythe and you both own Scythe, maybe if one of you buys Rise of Fenris and you, you know, you split the cost, then, yeah, you know, maybe that, that makes more sense. So there's lots of, or get a used it. copy of it even. Yeah. That's the thing too. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, there are lots of ways around trying to prevent this from becoming too much. Yeah. Yeah. And but, honestly, I, I, I like that we, uh, pulled it back around in that direction at the end. That's a nice way to close out. Yes, um, but let's close it out before this becomes too much of an overexpanded episode. <laughs> That's the perfect note to end on. Let's let's close it out there. All right. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Take it easy. <laughs>